The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about dinner versus supper and a meaty middle about how to write a thank you note. Jake from Kentucky wrote that when he moved to Norfolk, Virginia, he was labeled a hillbilly for calling the last meal of the day supper instead of dinner. He said, quote, To me, dinner and lunch meant the same thing, only dinner was more so. You have lunch in the school cafeteria. You have Thanksgiving dinner at the same time, but because there's more to eat, it's a dinner and not a lunch. I just shrugged and said, it's called the last supper, not the last dinner. And then, because I care more than I probably should about what others think of me, I just call it chow, regardless of the time it's being served, unquote. And people have asked me about this before. What is the difference between dinner and supper? Fortunately, dialect researchers have surveyed thousands of Americans about what they think the difference is between dinner and supper. First, supper is far less commonly used in the western United States. It's more of a southern, eastern, and midwestern phenomenon. Digging into the data, about a third of respondents think the words dinner and supper mean the same thing and describe the evening meal. Another third don't use the word supper at all, and I fall into that category probably because I've lived my whole life in the non-supper-using Western United States. Where it gets much more ambiguous is at the midday meal. Most people today call the midday meal lunch, but about 7% of people said they'd call the midday meal dinner, and nobody seems to call the midday meal supper. So that's one way dinner and supper differ. Although both can be the evening meal, only dinner can be a midday meal. And Jake seems to fall into either the 8% of people who say dinner is the biggest meal of the day, no matter what time you have it, or the 12% who say dinner takes place in a more formal setting than supper. The roots of the difference actually go back to farming culture. On farms, dinner was a heavy meal that laborers ate to sustain themselves through a long afternoon. Its use has changed with modern life, but as we've seen, it can still suggest a heavy evening meal, while supper can be lighter evening fare. It's interesting because the decline of the use of the word supper in published books is very similar to the decline in the number of farms in the U.S., according to the U.S. Department of Commerce and the USDA. The charts look very similar. Both the use of the word supper and the number of farms began to decline around the mid-1930s. 
and continued to decline until about 1975 when they both seemed to level out. I think it's fair to say that supper means different things to different people these days, and it's less common than it used to be now that we have fewer farms. Next, I got curious about Jake's new chosen word for a meal, chow, and it turns out to have a surprising origin. It was originally used to refer to just Chinese food because apparently Chinese people in California in the 1800s used the phrase chow chow to refer to food, and that eventually got shortened to just chow, and the meaning expanded to include all kinds of food. Specifically, sources say chow chow came from Chinese pidgin English. A pidgin is a language that develops so that two groups who speak different languages but end up in close proximity to each other can communicate. It's nobody's first language, and it's a simplified language. Pigeons often arise when two groups are trying to do business with each other, to trade goods and services. And according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word pigeon also arose in the 1800s to describe these kinds of simplified languages and comes from the way Chinese people pronounced the word business, or at least the way it sounded to English speakers. Business became bigeon, which became pigeon. So you can think of a pigeon language as a simplified business language that helps different cultures trade with each other. Thanks again to Jake for the question, I'm sorry people called you a hillbilly. The fact that you use supper just means that it's more likely that you grew up with people or in an area that had a farming history. And now, since it's graduation and wedding season, it's a good time to think about thank you notes. This segment was written by Edwin Battistella, so when it says I, that's him. I write a lot of thank you notes. I thank donors of organizations that I support, gift givers after the holidays and birthdays, friends who have invited me over for dinner, guest speakers who come to my classes, community partners who work with my students, colleagues who help me solve problems, and editors and publishers. You know who you are. You probably write a fair number of thank you letters too, or should, for graduation and wedding gifts, scholarships and fellowships, interviews and recommendations, moving help, and just plain good advice. Thank you notes are part of my daily writing practice and something I like to do when I'm still well caffeinated and relatively creative. Writing thank you notes involves the same elements of craft as any writing. A clear point, conciseness, and enough detail to show that you've put some thought into the exposition. Email or paper? Often, email is fine for a thank you, but for many things I still like the ritual of cards, envelopes, and stamps. Many of us struggle with thank you notes. We live in such an age of irony and casual communication, the tweet, the post, and the selfie, that it can feel awkward to express sincere gratitude gracefully. When we fumble our thank yous, we may fall back on cute expressivity like thank you so much, where four O's and four exclamation points are trying to do all the work. Or archaic gravity like words cannot express the depth of my gratitude for your kind help. What can you say in a thank you note besides thank you? Be specific about why you are grateful. Be authentic 
and let your note fit the action you're thanking someone for and the relationship you have with that person. Here are some ideas and examples with details changed that can help you build specificity, authenticity, and good fit into your thank you notes. Say why a gift or act is meaningful, useful, or helpful. When someone gives a presentation, you might thank them by writing something like this. I appreciate your coming to my class to speak about editing, and from their feedback, the students appreciated your visit as well. Having someone who works in the publishing business provide first-hand insights allows us to have discussions that go beyond the textbooks and journal articles we read. Thank you. Or, when you return a borrowed item, you can express your appreciation and explain how the loan affected you. Thanks for encouraging me to read Ghosts at a Watchman and for lending me your copy. I was undecided about reading it, but when I did, I came away with a new regard for Harper Lee. Now I'm inspired to reread To Kill a Mockingbird. Another approach to specificity is to tell how the gift was used. For some birthday cash from a relative, you can explain what you bought. Thanks for the generous gift card, which I used to buy a new jacket, with professorial elbow patches even. I'm planning to wear it to an upcoming conference. I appreciate your thoughtfulness and value your friendship, which I'll think about whenever I wear the jacket. Or, in the case of a donation to a nonprofit, you might explain what that donation does for the organization's clients. Thank you so much for your generous donation to the Community Fund. Your gift will help to provide scholarships for youth and seniors and will bring them together in meaningful arts activities. With support like yours, we're able to build intergenerational programming and a stronger community for all of us. And if you receive a scholarship yourself or for a family member, you can describe its impact. I'm writing to thank you for the scholarship support for my daughter's summer arts program. We've had a hard time the past few years and have had to move around a lot. She's always enjoyed the arts, and the summer arts program, which we couldn't afford otherwise, is something she had always hoped to take part in. Working with artists and making new friends will be a life-changing experience for her. Thank you all so much. We also thank people for favors, acknowledging their efforts on our behalf. A thank you note is appropriate even when the actions are part of someone's regular job, but especially if they make an extra effort or if their work has had some significant impact. If a staff member lends her expertise to solving a problem, you might send a note or email like this. Thanks for your help last week working through all the policy issues with our unruly group. All of us appreciate your thoughtful preparation and the clarity you brought to the effort. Because of your help, we've now got a revised document that the executive committee has reviewed and approved. And if someone gives you some resume coaching, you can let them know the result. I wanted to let you know that I got the editorial internship that I applied for, and thank you again for looking over my resume and cover letter. Your advice enabled me to make a more effective and successful presentation. Thank yous are about relationships and gratitude, not give and take, but sometimes it's okay to offer to return a favor. Thanks again for the ride to the airport. It's great to have a friend who will wake up at the crack of dawn to help me make my flight. I hope I can return the favor sometime. Finally, give your note a check for cheesiness. 
which is variously defined as vulgar sentimentality or blatant inauthenticity. And check out the Oxford English Dictionary for some interesting etymological tidbits on the word. Cheesiness will lead you to cheesy and cheese, and a possible connection in some of its meaning to the Persian word chiz, meaning thing. Who knew? Cheesiness is a relative notion, of course, and what sounds inauthentic coming from me might sound perfectly authentic coming from you. So it's a matter of being true to your own voice and temperament as well as the situation. But generally speaking, stay away from adverbs and exclamations and from flowery, stilted language. And thank you for listening. I appreciate the opportunity to think, reflect, and share. That segment originally appeared on the OUP blog and was written by Edwin Battistella, who teaches linguistics and writing at Southern Oregon University. He's the author of Sorry About That, The Language of Public Apology, Do You Make These Mistakes in English?, Bad Language, and The Logic of Markedness. And I'm Mignon Fogarty. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at quickanddirtytips.com. Stitcher Premium subscribers get a monthly bonus podcast. Plus, you get ad-free access to the entire archive of Grammar Girl episodes and all the other great Stitcher Premium shows, like Marvel's Wolverine, The Long Night. Sign up at stitcherpremium.com grammar and use the code grammar for a free month. That's all. Thanks for listening. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.